Thank you for listening to this week's message from Go Church. We hope it encourages you today. For more information about Go Church, check us out online at letsgo.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Go Church, happy Father's Day. Like my wife mentioned earlier, today is my first Father's Day. I've been a dad for almost six months. So you've come to the right place today because if you've ever tried to figure out how to be a dad, I have all the answers already, so it's going to be perfect. I'm really excited about today. It's kind of cool when uh, Pastor Nick and Becky asked me to speak. I knew it was going to, this day was going to be one of them. I was really excited. I got to speak on my birthday last year, and this year getting to speak on my first Father's Day is a really cool thing. I'm excited about it, but before I go too far into this, I want to honor the, all the dads in my life, so I have some pictures up here. So we'll start on this side, the man in the chair holding my son. That is my granddad. That's what I call him. I have so many memories with him. He would come, he came to any kind of sporting event, anything with school. He was there when I was in elementary school, middle school, he would pick me up, have a, have me a snack, have me some kind of drink for first thing after school. So this was a really cool, a lot of memories with him and a cool picture to get to take for four generations all in one photo. Then I'm gonna jump to this side. This is grandpa, that's what I call him. This is a picture from his retirement Sunday. He was a Methodist preacher for like 40, 50 years, I don't know, something crazy. And it's just, it's cool to have him be a part of my life and get to see what he did serving in the church, leading our family spiritually. When he first started being a pastor, he was like 18, 19 years old, had just gotten married, and he lived in the middle of nowhere, preached at like three churches every single weekend for like 200, 300 bucks a month. And that's what they lived off of. But he did it because he loved it. He believed the people that were coming to the churches that he got to speak at, they were there because they needed Jesus. So he wanted to be there and show up for them. And He's just been the spiritual leader of our family, so it's been really cool having him be a part of my life. Now, this middle picture here, this is a fun one. My dad is in the red shirt, but in the white shirt, that is Hannah's dad, and it's he is the best. I love when I get to be around him, and one of the things I've learned from him is if somebody needs something, he is like the first person to get up. He will answer the call. He doesn't wait for somebody to ask him to do something. If he sees a need, he meets it. And I've also learned from him just, it's cool to see how invested he has been in his children. So Hannah is the oldest. She has two younger siblings, and one of them graduated college like a month and a half ago, and we got to go there and see that. And it was funny to anybody, anytime somebody would talk about it or bring it up to her dad, like, hey, Connor's graduating in like a few days, he would just like, ah, stop, I can't talk about it. And you can just see his face, his eyes start to swell up. He's always just been so invested, so emotional towards his kids, which has been cool. And I actually received a, a fun part of that when I, I had dinner with him one night before Hannah and I were married to ask him if I could um, ask his daughter to marry me. So we sit down, we're like in this booth talking, and him and I have never been just the two of us before, ever. Um, so I'm like super nervous. I'm doing all this small talk, asking about his work, like uh, just weird stuff, because I was nervous. And he was like, okay, what, what are we doing here? Like, why are, what's, what's happening? Why are we here? And, and he's not a dumb man by any means, so he knew what was going on. But 
I sit down, I'm like, well, I'm here because I love your daughter and I would love for your permission to ask her to marry me. And he pauses for like a brief second and then just gets up from the booth and walks into the bathroom. Doesn't say anything to me. I'm just sitting there like, it feels like an eternity has gone by. And he finally comes back from the bathroom and I can see his eyes are kind of red and all this, and he sits down and he's like, allergies, man, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. And obviously he's like, yes, that would be amazing. But it's just been so cool to see how much he loves his family, how invested he is. Now, the last dad I want to shout out is my dad. This is from our wedding day. My dad is amazing. Uh, there's, there's been time, there has been times, it's, it's, it's been an interesting ride. There has been times when we haven't seen eye to eye. A lot of that is because, as you can tell, he's a lot taller than I am. But through everything, my dad has just been there. And he was my coach for forever. It's been cool to see how he has always supported my mom in whatever she wanted to do, any kind of ventures, ideas. He's been her biggest fan. So it's, uh, I can't thank him enough how much it means to have him as my dad. Now, when I was thinking about this message today and thinking about my dad a little bit, I remembered that something growing up that I always thought was my, my dad was a little funky about is he would always be a big prepper for storms. Anytime a storm would come, he was like, okay, here's the list of things we got to do. If there's going to be a bunch of rain, we are out there like clearing out the gutters, making sure all the drainage, everything is like the water's going to go out. Nothing's going to flow down into the basement. If there was going to be a bunch of wind coming with this storm, we'd make sure anything that's on like the porch out in the yard is brought in so nothing gets damaged. If there was going to be a bunch of hail like there's been out here with some of these storms, make sure all the cars, everything's inside covered. If there's a bunch of lightning, we're going to go around. And I don't even know if people still do this, but when I was growing up, we would like unplug all of the things from the wall. Like everything gets plugged in now, so I don't know how we do that. But we make sure all the important stuff then was unplugged from the wall. So I was thinking about that this week, and I called him, and I was like, hey, like, what's the, like, why was this always such a big emphasis? Like, are you afraid of storms? Did something happen? Was there a bad storm that you experienced? And he was like, no, not really. Not that I can think of. And I was like, well, like, what's the deal then? Like, well, and he's, first thing he said was, well, when you get a house one day, I was like, okay, but whatever. What's the, t- tell me a little bit more about, <laughs> about this. And he was telling me that one of the things that he doesn't like is you can see now with news, they'll show you, well, here's everything the storm's done. And that's not fun to see. And I, I get that. But then he started telling me, he's like, but at the end of the day, all I can really do when one of these things is coming is be as prepared as possible. And that's about it. He's like, I'm not afraid of the storms. There's smart things that I can do to be ready when they come. But he's like, if something comes, something gets damaged, something happens to the house, you know, we would always figure it out. We'll get something fixed. We just tried to be as prepared as, as possible. But then if something happens, we would just respond as best we can. And when he said that, I, was, I started thinking, and I knew kind of what I wanted to talk about today, but it was such a profound thing that he said on that phone call. And I think it's something that we can apply to every day for our lives. Basically, what he is saying is storms are 
inevitable. Actual storms, storms that we experience day to day in our own lives. And all we can do is prepare as best as possible. And then when they do come, respond the best that we can. And today, I want us to kind of look at this idea of how we can be best prepared when storms of life come our way. There's a passage in the Bible that talks about this. If you've been around church for any amount of time, maybe you've heard it. But if not, I'm going to read this story in just a second. But Jesus is kind of giving this idea of what it looks like to obey him. For anybody that hears what he says, he says, this is kind of what your life could look like if you really listen to the things that I say. So this is in Luke 6. It says this, whoever comes to me and hears and does what I say, I will show you who he is like. He is like a man who built a house. He dug deep to put the building on rock. When the water came up and the river beat against the house, the building could not be shaken because it was built on rock. But he who hears and does not do what I say is like a man who built a house on nothing but earth. A lot of translations will say they built their house in sand. The water beat against the house and at once it fell and was destroyed. The people that listen, the people that hear the right things, the people that take in and hear the teachings of Jesus, read the Bible, hear the gospel, but don't act on it, are building their lives on sand. But what Jesus wants us to do is to build our lives, have a foundation on solid ground. Because storms are inevitable. They're going to come. We aren't going to be able to decide when they come. We're not going to be able to decide what they are. All we can do is prepare as best as possible, and then when they do come, respond as best as we can. But today, what I want to do is give you three things, three things that I believe help, would help every single one of us build our foundation on solid ground. I think this is a perfect message for Father's Day, but this is also a perfect message for anybody, anybody that has people in their life that they care about anybody that is leading a team, anybody that has friends, the best way that we can steward what God has given us is to have a life that is built on solid ground. So I want to look at three things today. There's a spot on your communication card where you can write down all three of these. But you'll also notice on the communication card there's some extra lines that I've put on there this week. The reason I've put them on there is there is a lot in this message. I honestly think every single one of these points could be built out into its own thing, but I wanted to make sure every single one of us could hear all three of them today. So this is kind of a a condensed version of a few things. So I put some extra lines on there for if you hear something that you feel like resonates with you. Uh, There's, like I said, there's three points, but one of these is going to be the one that's the point for you. The whole reason you're listening today is for this one thing. So there's some extra lines on there where I would encourage you for whatever resonates with you the most to write down some of these other ideas inside of these points we're going to be talking about today. So let's jump into this three things that we can do to build our lives on solid ground. The first one is to lead well, lead well. I think this is an interesting idea, and maybe on the surface you hear that, it's like, okay, well, that makes sense. I should be a good leader. But I think what 
we all have to realize today is that God has entrusted us with something. Every single one of us have this domain, these things that God has put in our life, whether it's something work-related, something financial-related, a spouse, family. God has trusted us with this th- these things, and he gives us commands in the Bible about what we're supposed to do to lead well in those spaces. One of the verses that I like to look at in the, for this is all the way back in Genesis. This is when God has created mankind, and the first time he tells us how to lead, when he tells humans what they should do, gives them their reason for existence, this is what he says. God wanted good to come to them, so he told them this, give birth to many, grow in number, fill the earth, and rule over it. Rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Basically, God is saying, here is what you should do. And the summary of this is to lead well, in my opinion. So if you think of, think of who you would consider to be a good leader, or think about like the idea of a king or something, something from history leading, like what, what would good leaders do? One of the things I think good leaders do is that they raise up heirs. Like this is a classic concept, right? Kings, queens, there was always somebody that was the heir to the throne. But when we, we, when we look at what God has trusted us with, at some point in time, that has to be passed on to somebody else. So we need to be identifying, if we really want to lead well, if we want to be based on solid ground, we have to intentionally identify the people who we are helping to raise up inside of this space. We're not just living our lives for ourselves. We have to pick the people intentionally. We have to see who God has placed around us and start pouring into those people. Another thing I think good leaders should do when we're thinking about this idea of lead well is to expand territory. This is an interesting idea because there's a lot of talk in the Bible about all the good things that can come from being the weak in spirit, being meek. But I believe as good leaders, and if we look at this command in Genesis to rule over the earth, if we decided we wanted to be a good ruler in our household, I believe we should be expanding the influence, expanding the finances, expanding the the reach of what we're doing. And I don't think this is a bad thing, and I think the reason I would say that is because if you look at the things God has trusted you with, I definitely think we would all agree you don't want to shrink it. You don't want your future to look for your family or whatever to look less than what you have now. So the opposite of that is to lead well and to start expanding and adding to the things God has trusted you with. And another piece of this that I think is important is realizing that the people that God has placed in our lives, we should be giving those people opportunities to grow. I know when I first got married, I was, I was always so confused when Hannah and I would disagree about things. But I, over time, I've learned that God has given her a vision for life. God has called her to do things that are different, that are separate from what God has called me to do. And as part of being her husband, I have to be able to create a space to help her with her goals, her hopes, her ambitions. 
It's not just about me making all the decisions and everything going the way I want it to be all of the time. And that's what it looks like to lead our family well. As my son Tate grows up, he doesn't have to just do the things I want him to do. I want to be able to create a space to where he can make decisions. We can figure out what he's into, what he wants to do, what he wants his life to be like. And I can come alongside him and help him do that. And if you take that same idea and you paste that onto your team that you lead at work, do you try to dominate every single decision that goes on there? Or do you give people space to try something, to have a little freedom to make decisions? That's really the only way things can grow. And if not, I would say you were gonna, we're going to go back to this concept of shrinking. If you give people opportunities to try new things, you might see things grow. So when we're thinking about this idea of living and having a life founded on solid ground, I think we have to figure out how to lead well, whatever that looks like. Whether it's leading a team, leading a family, leading your children, being somebody that has good input for your friends. That's what it looks like to lead well. The second thing I believe we should try to have in this life of being built on solid ground is to be legacy-minded. To be legacy-minded. Now, I love this concept. I think there's a lot of things that I would want to say, but we've had two really good messages on legacy this year already at Go Church. So I would encourage you if some of the things I talk about in this really resonate, there's a message that Bill Carson did a couple of months ago, a message that Pastor Nick did a little bit more frequent than that. And the whole thing is about legacy. So that content is there for you to go find and consume. And they talk about the importance of building a legacy. What I want to talk about today, though, is this idea of being legacy-minded and some of the benefits for what our lives can look like when we think and act from a legacy standpoint. In Proverbs, Solomon, he says this in chapter 13, verse 22, says, good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren. This can be challenging concept to grasp for those of us that don't have grandchildren. Maybe you don't have a kid at all. Maybe for the teenagers in here, like that's a long ways away from now. I'm not even thinking about grandchildren. And also the idea of inheritance. Sometimes inheritance is, is really focused on finances. And I do think there's a lot to unpack in that and things that we can do to help set up a financial future, financial freedom for our families. But what I want to talk about today is just some of the benefits of this idea of being legacy-minded. One of the things is this, is when you think legacy, you start playing a different game than all the other people that you come into contact with every single day. I would bet that a lot of the people you come into contact with, they're thinking about today. At best, they're thinking about tomorrow. And when all you think about is today, man, every single day you have to get up and figure out what that thing is, how you're going to fuel the fire, how you're going to figure out what you stand for, what you're going to live for, if it's only for today, every day. But if you decide to be legacy-minded, your target is something so far out into the future. And what that allows you to do is to be patient. When you realize you have 30 years to create a good marriage, it means you're probably going to sit through a lot harder times because it's not just about today. I want to create a life to where 30 years from now, my marriage is going to be great. 
That doesn't mean I'm not working on it today, but parents, you got to realize at some point your kids are going to move out of the house. And when they're gone, it's going to be the two of you again. So you need to be working on things so that you have this legacy-minded marriage. When you're thinking about your finances, if you make your goal for finances something so far into the future, then you only hit 50% of that goal, you're probably still a lot further towards that goal if your goal was something that was going to happen in in 10 years. And then if you only hit 50% of a goal that's in 10 years, you would probably be really down on yourself. So this idea of being legacy-minded, it changes where our targets are. It allows us to aim further into the future. And the good thing of that is when you miss, the arrow probably ended up in a way better place than it would have before. That's one of the benefits of being legacy-minded. Another thing that I like about this idea is it allows you to be less selfish. When your decisions are being made based on how they could impact people 20 years into the future, it's really easy to remove yourself from that situation. Because there's so many things at play right now for yourself, but when, when none of that matters because it's what's, a, what's best for your children, your, your grandchildren, what's best for people who aren't even born yet, it makes it really, really easy to be less selfish. Another thing that I I always want to talk about when I talk about this idea of legacy is not just glossing over the fact that sometimes it can seem like the decisions we are doing today are insignificant to this kind of thing. Like, can we really make decisions now that have this much of a lasting impact? And the example I always give people is, I, I love history, so... I've spent a lot of time, especially in school and college, studying like industry tycoons, right? So people like Vanderbilt, Rockefeller, J.P. Morgan. I love those types of people. And if you look at John D. Rockefeller, at one time, one of the arguably still now, one of the richest people to ever live. If you trace their family back far enough, you'll find somebody that was absolutely dirt poor. Nobody, I bet nobody in here can even name the name of John D. Rockefeller's great-grandfather. But what's interesting about that is you don't even have to go that far back because it was his grandfather who was a farmer in the middle of nowhere who didn't really have a lot of success his entire life. Business deal after business deal would fall through for him But what he kept doing is he was trying to make decisions to better his family's future. And he probably honestly really didn't know why. But he had, I'm pretty sure it was around 10 kids. And one of those kids ended up being John Rockefeller's father. And then John Rockefeller grows on to be one of the richest people to have ever lived. And the money isn't the important part here. It's just this idea that somebody who seemed to be making, if we looked back, insignificant decisions over time, those turned into one of the most important industry changers that has ever lived, especially in this country. 
So the decisions that we make today, the things that we try to do that may seem insignificant and we don't really know if they're ever going to amount to anything, we don't know who could be watching that, the effect that that could have. We don't know what people around us are going to be learning from us when they see us making these decisions. When somebody sees us be less selfish, when my son sees me be less selfish in a situation, the impact, what he's going to learn from that, and I don't even know it. When we think legacy-minded, all of these decisions become so much easier because you have to know that they're going to make a difference. Over time, when you start to remove yourself from this situation, when you set your targets so far out that you're going to shoot so far even if you miss, that's what it looks like to be legacy-minded. And something like that, man, when storms come your way, it's hard to, walk, to wipe out that kind of mindset. It's hard to because you're built on such a firm foundation. The last thing that I think we should all try to take away from this today when it comes to being built on solid ground, and this is by far the most important, the third thing is this, it is to put Christ first. Put Christ first. There's a a short passage at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And this is the most important, a lot of Bible scholars will say this passage, Sermon on the Mount, is the, one of the most important things that we have recorded from what Jesus did. And at the end of it, he's going through all of these incredible things that we don't have time to look at today. But at the end of it, he has this one verse and I think it kind of sums up every single thing. And it says this in Matthew 6, He says, seek first or seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. I feel like a lot of the times when we are thinking about our life and we're trying to protect ourselves as best we can about what could happen we start to potentially put other things above all else. Maybe we put, our, we put our hope into something that's just financial. We put our hope into the stock market, into all of these different things. But I mean, if you look back through history time and time again, something so simple, uh, the smallest storm ever can come and wipe out any kind of financial future for a long time. If we try to put our hope into some kind of business success some kind of position it's the same thing some kind of storm could come somebody could buy the company you work for and you become seemingly irrelevant overnight what are you going to do if that's what your foundation is maybe you want your kids to do something that you never did or live up to something that you couldn't you have all of these demands but you have to remember that they're humans too they're gonna make mistakes and they also might wanna do something else. So what are you gonna do if that happens, if that's the most important thing in your life? But if we look at this passage, if we take this idea to heart and we have the kingdom of God above all else, there's not a single storm that could come our way. No matter what happens, no matter what somebody says about you, no matter how low you get, if you hit rock bottom, you are still built on solid ground. And Jesus will take care of you no matter what that looks like. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it's something that you can always fall back on, something that you can always trust. 
Because listen, go church, you need to take this to heart that storms are inevitable. They're gonna come. And the only thing we can do is to prepare as best as we can. And then when they do come, respond the best that we can. Father's Day is an interesting time for my family this year. Um, I was telling you about my grandpa earlier, my mom's dad. And he, he's been in ministry for so long, impacted so many people. I mean, I'll, every now and then when we're back home, we'll run into somebody who knew him and they'll tell some crazy story about how he would come and help them do something at their house without being asked. And it was just so he could tell them about Jesus, invite him to church. And somebody that was really important to him about this time last year, they passed away and being the, the great friend, great leader he is, he, um, him and his wife, my Grammy, they went to the funeral and my parents took them. And unfortunately, while they were at the funeral, there was uh, a little COVID outbreak and my grandparents got COVID. COVID is not a good thing for anybody to get, let alone uh, elderly people. And they were just, they went home. They were just trying to take it easy. My parents were updating us on everything, keeping us in the loop. We were praying for them. And one day I get a phone call and it's like, hey, we just wanted to let you know your grandpa, he's this kind of hitting him a little bit harder. He's trying to take it easy, but just be praying for him. I was like, okay, yeah, we can do that. Just keep us updated. We get another phone call saying he's getting a little bit worse. I think they said he, he fell or something. Maybe something else got hurt just from how weak he was. So they took him into the hospital. They're like, we're going to get him some fluids. It's all going to be good. And don't worry about it. Just keep praying for him. It's like, yes, we can do that. We'll keep you updated. And everything seemed fine. But then about this time last year, we were at a dinner with the staff over at Pastor Nick and Becky's house. And it was, you know, 7 o'clock our time, probably nine o'clock on the East Coast where my family's at and we're about to pray for the food. My phone starts ringing. I look down, my mom's calling. I'm like, it's kind of late over there. My mom wouldn't be calling if there was, if, like this time, if it wasn't important. So I stepped into another room, answered the phone call. My mom's like, hey, what's what's going on? Like, are you good? Are you busy? I'm like, well, we're hit this thing, but it's, it's all good. What's going on? And she's like, okay, well, and I could just tell in her voice something had changed. And she tells me, she says, your grandpa's gotten worse. They are taking him home from the hospital, but they're also bringing in in-home hospice. They're like, we don't really know the timeline, but you need to get here so you can see him. So we got on the plane. The next day we got there. He's at home. He's not looking too great, but... Thankfully, we were able to have a conversation with him. He still knew who we were. We got to show him um, at that time just um, pictures. I can't remember what they call those pictures before babies are born right now for some reason, but we got to show that to him and have a conversation with him. And they still didn't know a timeline, but it was basically going to be like, this is the, this is the last conversation we're going to get to have with him. And since we didn't know the timeline, we had some doctor's appointments and things back here that we wanted to get to. So we flew back after being there for a few days and 
wanted to have these doctor's appointments and then our plan was to go back again. And I'm here on Sunday, which was, it was last Father's Day. And I knew that my family last Father's Day was just sitting in a room waiting for my grandpa to pass away. And I knew it was gonna be especially tough because if it happened on Father's Day, that would have been really hard for my mom and her brother. But if it was the next day, the day after Father's Day last year was my mom's birthday. So she's having to deal with this idea of is her dad gonna pass away on her birthday? So Sunday goes by, we don't hear anything. And then Monday morning, sometime my mom calls me really early on her birthday, says, hey, just wanted to let you know your grandpa passed away this morning. And we knew it was coming, so it wasn't gonna be, it wasn't a surprise, but we did everything we could. We had our doctor's appointment, we went back and we got to have this beautiful celebration. But man, this came out of nowhere for our family. This came out of nowhere. And even talking to my parents this weekend, talking to my mom, talking to my Grammy, who's still with us, you can just tell in their voice that this is such a hard time. But thankfully, because of the example he gave for us, the example he led for our family for so many years, we knew, we've known for so long where we need to have our life built. We need to have it built on solid ground. And because of that, when this storm came, if, if this would have happened to somebody who didn't have the hope of Jesus in their life, there's no telling what, could, what would have happened. But we were able to walk through this with tears in our eyes, holding hands with our family, knowing that it was gonna be okay because we have hope in Jesus. We know that there's a bigger plan. We know that we're gonna see him again one day. And I wanna challenge you today, Go Church, if you don't have this hope in your life, if Christ is not first, if you're not built on solid ground when these storms come, they could wreck your life. Last week I talked about this idea that the thing that is most important to you, if that's not rooted in Jesus, it could become your biggest regret. And today, don't let that be that you have something else in place of having God first. When you think about these three things, if you wanna have your life built on solid ground, you need to realize that God has entrusted you with people in your life. He's entrusted you with things, with resources, and you have to lead those things well. He's also got people that are gonna come after you in this life, people you won't even meet, but you're supposed to do things to help set them up for success. We have to start thinking legacy-minded. We have to push these targets out further and working on them today. And at the end of the day, no matter what happens, whether we lose everything or we get everything we ever want, if it's not rooted in Christ, it will never feel like enough. And you'll have to work tirelessly day after day to try to find this feeling that is available if you just say yes to Jesus. I want to encourage you on this, this Father's Day for the dads in the room. I've learned over the past six months there's a lot of things that go into this. And I know there's a lot of you that are way ahead of me. I know there's some people in this room that are going to be shortly behind me. And I just want to encourage you that you have everything that it takes to be a good dad. You have everything it takes. You can be a great dad. Just put your faith in Jesus. Surround yourself with people 
who you look up to, you can be a great dad. Let's pray, I gotta stop crying. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for you, God. Thank you so much for knowing that we have this hope that it can be an anchor for our soul. And we don't have to worry about the strength of it. That we have, we have you, Jesus, that has gone before us and that you sit at the right hand of the Father and you're there just waiting on our behalf to give these prayers to him. I pray today, God, that you would help us, you would start to search our heart. Show us things that we've placed above you. Show us the things that we have that are on this, this weak, this shaky, this foundation that if a storm came, it would just wipe it out. God, I pray that you would start to reveal these things to us so we can make action, start working on them today. I pray for every family that is represented in this room. God, I just, I pray that you would bring peace for them in the middle of the storms that they might be going through right now. I pray for families that have been hoping for kids on this, this day. God, I know this could be a challenge. I pray that you would just give them peace, knowing that, knowing that, that they would know you're there in the midst of it, that they'd be able to see you and feel you in the middle of what, you, what they're going through. And listen, if you're in this room today and you're hearing this and you're saying, I need to put God first. I wanna have him above all else in my life. The good news is that you can make him the Lord and the leader of your life today. Listen, you need to know that there is a God who loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to this earth for you. He came in the form of a baby and he grew up, he gained favor from God, he gained favor from men and he lived a perfect, sinless, blameless life. But he still went to that cross. He took on a sinner's debt. He took on the heaviest weight he could take on, the sins of the world, your sins, my sins. And he did that because he loves you. And he died on that cross. They buried him in a tomb and he was there for three days. The devil probably thought he had won, but on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. He walked out of that grave. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father just waiting to intercede for you. And if you wanna make him the Lord and the leader of your life today, the Bible says that if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that he died for your sins and that he rose again, that you will be saved. If that's you, if you wanna pray that prayer, all you have to do, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for my sins. I'm making you the Lord and the leader of my life. And from this day forward, I choose to follow you. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Go Church, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at letsgo.church. You can also download our app from the App Store by searching Go Church. Have a great week and God bless.